All right, let's do this. Peanut, if you're staying in the room, no talking. And welcome to the PhotoWork Podcast, the talky and touchy-feely version of my book, PhotoWork, 40 Photographers in Process and Practice. I'm Sash Wolf, and I'm joined as usual by my friend and producer, the Lewis to my car. Have I, <laughs> have I made that joke already? Oh, boy. I'd have to go back and listen. Okay, so it's been know. basically a year. So it's been so long now that I could conceivably be... I mean, let's face oh. it. I definitely tell the same stories. We I, all I, do. I, it's pathetic. <laughs> but now I may be just making the same jokes. Oh, man. We need a um, research assistant to go go back through the archives. <laughs> this is our 25th. Happy 25th. Yeah, and happy 25th to you. Thank you so much. Yeah. You are the best. <laughs> I don't know why I just sang that. I don't know why. You are the best. <laughs> all right. This is what we're going to do, because we could just talk for a long time about this and the year it's been and and we were sort of going to do that because we, we were, were going to we were going to handle it with questions that we asked people to send in but then we had we had a little change of plans because the great photographer curator man about town Paul Graham Mm-hmm. agreed to be on the show. So he's our guest for today. So we're going to push back the original episode. I mean, who doesn't want Paul Graham on their 25th um, That's right. show? So <laughs> I think that, that is the 25 uh, year anniversary uh, gift, isn't it? I yes, don't know. <laughs> it is. You get a Paul Graham. You get a Paul Graham. Some people get paper, but you and That's I got right. a Paul Graham. So good for us. Um, I always knew we were special. Yes. So, so we'll, um, we'll do a little uh, special back and forth uh, for our next show. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, all right. So let's get to it. So Paul came on because he's a good guy and he's curated this fabulous show at the International Center of Photography. I've talked about it before on the show. Um, and Paul came on to just discuss the exhibition in detail and sort of how it came to be and what it's about and what it means to him. And I think it's a great episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Of course, you talk about the, the show, this important show at ICP, which has been extended and you can still go see it. But you talk about the uh, sort of underlying idea of the work being quotidian and no big theatrics and uh, you know, not award-winning press photography and uh, the sort of underlying uh, part of the show. But you have this other conversation about surviving purely on art and kind of the, the myth behind that and that sort of actor's idea of once you've made it, then, you know, you don't have to audition anymore, right? Uh, but um, even if you've had a good show and you've sold work, um, very few artists really purely survive on their artwork alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's great sort of hearing Paul talk about that. But yeah, we talk about a lot of interesting, um, really, we have a lot of great sort of digressions. Mm-hmm. And yep, so it's a great episode. I'm going to quickly, um, Paul wrote an essay for the Mac published the catalog for the exhibition, which is called But Still It Turns. It's a beautiful book. If you can't make it in to see the show, if you can't get to the show, and even if you do get to the show, please buy this book. It's just so beautiful. 
And Paul wrote a a lovely essay. I want to read a little bit from it. Each artist here works with scattered places and lives, earthly facts and chance collisions, history and its shadow, to form or echo some kind of interconnectedness. They refuse to yield to life's randomness, but struggle to give shape to the world, to straighten the disarray, to reveal the fine web that binds us to each other, to this time, to existence. Through photographs, the prism of time is illuminated and breaks to clarity. We see the components of how they fit together. They take us on unexpected paths. They bring us to other lives we could know if life turned another way. They foster empathy for our fellow citizens, for lives not our own. They allow us to recognize that life is not a story that flows to a neat finale. It warps and branches, spirals and twists, appearing and disappearing from our awareness. There is no didactic story here, no theme or artifice. None is asked, none is given. This photography is post-documentary, released from restricted briefs and reductive narrative, within which places and people are all too conveniently shuffled. Talented artists know when to leave the poetry of the world alone, no editorializing, no words to illustrate. That there is no singular story is the story. These photographers tell us that all is in play, that everything matters. Here is a freedom, hard won, sometimes confusing, but nonetheless genuine, a consciousness of life and its song. I love that. Thank you, Paul, for those beautiful words. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we haven't mentioned the nine artists who are in the show yet. Paul will talk about that. It takes a little while till we get to that, but we will get to that, and then we will discuss each artist. So anyway, without further ado, Michael, if you don't mind, please take it away. My pleasure. And here's your conversation with Paul Graham. Paul Graham, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. For our viewer viewers I, I always do that for our listeners you and i today are going to talk about this wonderful show that you curated uh called but still it turns at the international center of photography we're not going to spend this time talking about your career as an artist and people can send hate mail to you but um <laughs> we will pick that up another time you and i are going to have that have that talk at another date. But you've curated this really, in my opinion, extraordinary, um, important show that I just really love. And I think that the timing was definitely challenging because it opened while we were still in pretty difficult times with the pandemic. And so, you know, I want to make sure more people get down there and see the show, as do you. And so we want to devote this uh, episode of the podcast to talking about it, why you did it, what it's about, and um, and hopefully get people really, you know, interested. So why don't we start, if you could, you know, tell tell folks um, what the, the genesis was, it, you know, what the show is. Why don't you start with that and then how it, how it came to be? Thanks, Sasha. 
yeah, it's called But Still It Turns, which comes from Galileo. It's um, obviously in Italian. He allegedly uh, allegedly said this when he was released from the Inquisition because the Catholic Church didn't like his uh, ideas that the Earth resolved around the sun rather than the other way around. They wanted it to be, you know, uh, centered <laughs> centered on the on 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 them on Earth uh, rather than heliocentric around the sun. And uh, he was forced to recant it under pain of torture. And um, apparently, as he left the Inquisition, he tapped his foot on the floor and mumbled under his breath in Italian. I'm not going to say it, butcher Italian by saying it, but one translation of it is, <laughs> but still it turns. I mean, you know, which was a perfect title for, you know, my observations of, I trust my observations of life rather than what the orthodoxy is. How did it come about? Uh, it came about from a sort of, you know, gentle frustration at the direction, the, the way that so much of the powerful photography that I love, photography that engaged with life, where photographers struggle to sort of show the forces that move and shape our lives, was being was sort of being overlooked or marginalized or misunderstood by the art world uh, and by even by the, the museums, you know, sometimes. And um, that uh, I was feeling sort of a little... Um, little frustrated at that is like don't why don't people get this don't why don't people get the core of the medium and what is most powerful and unique about it why they want it to be like painting or be like performance so yeah i mean it started out a long discussion i think one of the, i expressed that frustration in that in a in a moma forum um, where i was asked to give a presentation oh god it must be 10 years ago now where i wrote that piece 2010 i think all right so 11 11 years now yeah called the unreasonable apple um which was a, a sort of uh cri de coeur you know um in defense of photography from the world uh which and and paul if i can just jump in here for a second the reason i know it's 2010 is because I, I I have this piece of writing of yours always with me because it's it's sort of in my arsenal of great writing in defense of the type of photography that you and I both love. And so I it actually came up, Sarah Meister mentioned it in the last podcast. I really hope and recommend that everyone go out and find this, The Unreasonable Apple by Paul Graham. Anyway. Yeah, I think actually it was, you know, quite honestly, I think historically it's, it's I think it's supposed to be the unreasonable potato <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's about the potato and the apple and the potato came from the new world and was brought back to Europe and, and people didn't know what to do with potatoes at the time. The apple tree always existed in Europe. I believe it's that way around. But I remember when I was trying to research it and I was writing it, I was like, I was Googling the unreasonable apple, trying to find this apocryphal tale. You know, the, 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 it begins with this story about people bringing back an apple and potato, people who ate potatoes, you know, um, didn't know what to do with it because it didn't, you know, they couldn't cook it the same way that they did with their potatoes. But actually, I think it's supposed to be the other way around. The uh, potato arrived from the new world and, and they tried to treat it like an apple. But when I was Googling and researching the story, I was I was, I was was Googling <laughs> unreasonable and apple and all I got was pages and pages of Google results by people complaining about their Apple at iMac or computer about how they wouldn't, they, 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 couldn't, they couldn't get it repaired, you know, and how unreasonable Apple Corp was. People 
people are still complaining about that, by the way. Right. So, so I never got anywhere, and I just decided I'd rather have photography as an apple than a potato. So I used that. That's right. So I used that one, but I think it should technically be the other way around. But never mind. I've I've digressed massively here. Yeah, it's now in history as the unreasonable apple. Right. Um, so yeah, that was a a piece I wrote then, and you know that sort of premise carried forward. And I remember, you know, discussing with, I, I, I was represented for a long time by Pace McGill Gallery, which is sadly defunct now. Um, and I remember discussing with Peter McGill there, how I'd love to do a summer show with him. And, um, you know, one time and, and put in other artists work, you know, to, to, to show some of the work I loved. And, uh, it never happened, you know. He, I wanted him. I said I want to have one of the bigger pace. They're aligned with Pace Gallery, and I, I would love one of the bigger spaces for summer to do this. It never happened, but he said, "Oh, let me introduce you to this man, Tom, who uh, he also feels the same." And we talked about that. And long story short, met with him, met with Tom. He was there was a, a groundswell of people who were getting a little disaffected with what was being shown in the galleries, what was being shown in the museums too, you know, um, you know, some of the shows that, you know, you, you'd go to the Whitney or some of the moment new photography shows and find very little photography from the world. Maybe out of eight photographers, there'd be one person who actually went out and took pictures. Mm -hmm. And it was, people were, you know, I remember the New Yorker making a very grumbling, Vince Aletti making a very unhappy review of a MoMA show, you know, for the same reason. And um, so, you know, we, we thought we should make a, an exhibition, just put our money where our mouth is, as they say, and, and um, make an exhibition that sort of, just sort of, it's, it's not anti anything, but it's about just sort of nudge the pendulum back a bit towards the core of the medium, you know, the heart of the medium. Um, photography that engages with life that you know photography goes out and, and and dances with life as it comes at them to create something and um that's where the premise started with that and we, we discussed it with many people with sarah meister who you mentioned uh with yourself i believe didn't we sasha didn't we meet and discuss it we early did. we had a yeah a few years ago um sat around the table and brainstormed mm -hmm. it was a um, it's, I mean, for me, it was, you know, really wonderful. I, I, you know, like yourself, it's, you know, we look for our, you know, your team, your, your people who feel the way you do. And, you know, the idea that there was this core group of people who were, you know, wanting to really, um, not just complain, but try and figure out what could we do to promote the type of work we love was very exciting. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we, we have to get this in there that this isn't an anti anything, you know, you can have, you can have many different types of art. You can have many different types of photographic art. It, absolutely. Yeah. It was just more that, that the core of the medium had sort of got marginalized, that things got skewed, that the, 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 the pendulum had swung way, way over to one extreme. And that, you know, yeah, this didn't come from an angry place. This is just, you know, wanting to celebrate what you love. That that yeah. that doesn't mean mean to diminish anyone or anything else. No, exactly. But you know, I love I love the New York Yankees, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> that doesn't mean I hate the Mets. <laughs> oh, well. <maybe> it does. <laughs> 
Uh, anyway, go yeah, on. Yeah, so, um, you know, you realise also, you know, I, I, I go to, I, or used to pre-pandemic, go to an awful lot of galleries and I would see, you know, a lot of art and photographic art and you see the very partial embrace that the art world took of, of photography, that it, it, in the art world understands yeah. synthesizing a work of art, something that is made, that is constructed, that is, you know, whether it's theoretically constructed or physically, literally constructed or digitally constructed, they understand that. But something where a photographer simply, in quotation marks, simply goes out in the world and takes a picture of life as it was, they struggle with, you know, it appears to just be mm -hmm. a sort of lucky observation, you know? Yep. The camera's doing the work. Camera's doing the work. Oh, what a fortuitous moment that they uncovered there. Or what, you know, mm -hmm. you know. And they don't really appreciate what the, the nature of the of the artistry in that or in and which is mm -hmm. which is heartbreaking because the greatest works of art in photo in the in this in the whole medium of photography from you know, Robert Franks, the Americans, to Bill Eggleston, to Walker Evans, have been in precisely this area, you know, mm -hmm. to uh, Helen Levitt, Lisette Modell, uh, Diane Arbus. It's, uh, and, and to overlook that and to say we, we only see it in terms of synthetic artistic creation. So is, is, is to abandon, the, you know, the, what is unique and special about this medium. So anyway, I'm sounding like some preacher now. Sorry. <laughs> no, we like it. Preach, preach. Um, so we just wanted to like, hey, let's let's just see if we can make an exhibition that shows some good examples of people because people are out there working. You could find this work if you cared. You could find it especially in, in books, in publications, you know, the vibrancy mm -hmm. of the photo book. You could find the, you could find this work. You could see it. And um, let's, let's try and create a, an exhibition that would... Um, nudge the pendulum back a little bit just just sort of steer steer the ship back a little bit and yeah that's what we set out to do but you know it's hard you're you're trying to be a guest curator you're trying to go to a institution you know an established institution to get a platform in that way and say hey can i take the fun bit of your job away curator <laughs> making right. the show you know can you get can i take the fun bit and you assist me in in putting this on so it was hard but and also museums plan years years out right so right. that's just the logistics of it are are very difficult yeah and then we like we we lucked out that when we found we did talk to quite a few people but when we icp has was in a process of reinvention you know they were mm -hmm. they, they were up, up upgrading their premises and uh, for the, anyone who's confused, uh, who doesn't know, you know, ICP has this wonderful new premises on Essex Street. They're no longer in Midtown. They're no longer on the Bowery. They've they've been a bit peripatetic, but they are they are now in a beautiful new premises on Essex Street, and yep. um, it's pretty spectacular in there. So it's worth the, it is worth it's the wonderful. Visit. Um, yeah, it's it's what they should have had a long time ago. But I'm so happy for them. Yep. And of course, they opened. Uh, well, they embraced the show, and and, and they they uh, saw it through. It was meant to happen last September, but then a certain virus escaped, and um, everything shut down. And it opened finally this February, 
and it's they've extended it now. It's on till mid-August for anyone who doesn't know it. Uh, yeah, and that's really important to say. It's 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 been extended. So I I want people to you know make a trip to the city. You know, not just people who are here. I think it's a it's right. such a wonderful show, such an important show. It's so rich and fulfilling. I've sent many people who are not in the photo world. I do know some people who are not in the photo world and I've sent Hmm. them down there and they have had the most incredible experience. They've been extremely moved. They've been perplexed at times, but in a way that they could manage, which I really love. So if some of the work was challenging for them, they stuck it out and figured it out like one does with a difficult poem. You know, you read a beautiful poem and you're not sure, you have a feeling, you're even moved, you may not know why, but you, you decide to dig in and it all starts to make sense. And I feel that I've heard that from many non-photo people that I've I've sent. And I, I've actually wound up having these incredible conversations um, that have been really powerful for me. Um, Great. As I said, particularly with non-photo people. So that's Great. a real mark of a successful show to me that although it's extremely challenging, which we want, it's accessible. And it's, it is so thoughtful and coherent that the work you do if you're if you don't totally understand the language the work will pay off and what a what a great triumph so i'm Um, uh, well i'm happy for so admiring of of what you did thank you but you know really it's it's the let's give credit to the artists all all i did was gather together these artists and 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 it's really them that deserves the the credit and thanks i mean well, well they're beautifully informing each other so i think you've put together a really wonderful Mm. A wonderful group. So, why don't you tell folks about who who's in the who's in the show? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I was realizing that we haven't actually. I mean, the the boundaries we uh, set just to be established. Um, uh, oh, the other person we should mention a lot is Diane Dufour of, of Le Bal in Paris was a consultant on this, and she was very good when she could come to New York. She was very good in helping us get through this and navigate it. And Michael Mack, of course, of MacBooks, yep. who published the book. Um, both of those yep, were the very... Book is a, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, for anyone who can't, obviously, a lot of people can't get to New York City. Um, the, the book is there. So the parameters we decided to set was simply, you know, how the world is a huge place and we'll just become, you know, it, the whole show become baggy and, you know, um, dissipated. Uh, but to keep a focus on it, we decided to stick to work made in the United States this century. So work that's made in the last 20 years in the USA it didn't have to be an American photographer and, and a few of them aren't, you know, three or four people are not American citizens, but made work here. And it's at the end of the day, we, we would love to have included 30, 40, 50 artists in this, but the show would have then ended up with three pictures each, which is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So we kept the number to under 10 it's actually nine photographers of which one is a collaboration the two italian guys emmanuel bruti and pierre giorgio cassotti uh, collaborated together with index g their work um there and um 
nine photographers, which is, I just mentioned the two Italians, Richard Choi, Gregory Halpern, Karen Hatleyberg, uh, Christine Potter, Ramel Ross, Vanessa Winship, and Stanley Wolokowanambwa. So we, yeah, so eight bodies of work, nine artists, which meant they got, I would say they got a fair space each. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree, mm-hmm. Sasha? They all got a, yeah, absolutely. a fair little area exhibition to themselves where you could show their bodies of work in with it, with its own, you know, independent dignity, as it were, their own privileged space. We got the whole of ICP, which is another benefit of the, the shutdown, mm-hmm. the pandemic, because there was going to be another show upstairs, but they couldn't do that. So we, we managed to expand. Um, so, yeah, work made in the United States this this century. And of course, you know, I hope this goes out saying from what we we're saying before, it had to be work made out in the world. Nothing synthesized in the computer, nothing made in the studio and nothing staged, which got me in trouble because some of the photographers said, hey, wait, you know, you say nothing staged here, but what, what of course mean is nothing, no big Hollywood production, you know, right. n- no big, you know, lighting crew and... Uh, yeah, no Gregory Crutzen Yeah, which, which is good no. work. Or Jeff Wall, you know, that's good work. We're not work. knocking, right? Not knocking, right. No. We're not. It's good. No. I love Greg. I love Wall. You know, there's nothing <laughs> nothing there, you know, but it's... Yeah, it, that, it's that, just, that, that's not what this is. That's it, Exactly, just, yeah. That's, that's not what this show is. But equally, you know, some of the say, hey, you know, you do you do say to someone, hey, could you stand back there? Could you, you know, hold your hand? I saw you put your hand up. Could you put it back up again and point, you know... That they're saying, well, that is that staging. I guess so. Photographers have always done that, you know. I mean, photographers have always. Well, anytime you're you're using a large format camera, a camera on a tripod, it's not a snapshot. So if you're taking a photograph of a person, they have to cooperate. Uh, so you know that's just a given. And again, this may be one of these things that you only know if you're sort of in the photo world. But if you are in the photo world, that you understand that you understand yeah. that there's a certain amount of anywhere from cooperation to collaboration when you're when you're doing this type of work, right? I mean, I think of someone like Doug Dubois and um, my last day at 17, which is, as listeners of this podcast know, one of my favorite bodies of work. And, you know, there's a lot of collaboration there, but um, I think still the work falls um, under the umbrella of the type of, of work we're, we're talking about here. So, um, and then of course it could be much more subtle and, and be lean more towards the spontaneous. So, you know, mm. there's, there's room there. There's some breath there under that heading. Right. And, you know, I have to say we had, we had a long list of, oof, must've been like 30, 35 artists who we were Considering there's probably some people listening in who are thinking, oh, why aren't I in that show? I should be in that show. My work fits in, you know. And, and I, I can assure you, there are some people listening who are thinking that. And, and I agree with them. They should be. There's there's a lot. There's, there's there's thirty other people who should be in this show. But like I said, we simply yeah. couldn't do it. You can't do I that. I actually represent some of them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize to no, everyone. No, I, I, you know, no, you should apologize to me because I have to hear about it. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, just... Sasha. I'm sorry to the artists. I, the best thing we, the, the, the only, you know, acknowledgement that we could do was in the in the back of the book we put thirty 
illustrated bibliography 30 other books in there and said hey check these out you know here's other work oh, from, i thought that was fantastic yeah so yeah. here's some books from 2000 that people everyone will know is everything from mark steinmetz you know um up to something that's like a little zine that probably only was 25 copies of you know a zine mm -hmm. book. so trying to uh something that's in its third edition you know to something that, that, that no one will have heard of or few people heard of so we're trying to enjoy, and in the exhibition we put we have vitrines in the exhibition with some of these same books in it as many as we yep. could get in there to acknowledge you know there is more to it it is there is a great groundswell there's a great ocean of other work out there that is important and you know in the hope that uh, sorry to speak in cliches here but the, the you know a rising tide carries all ships uh, yep. and lifts everyone up let me ask you just really quickly, because you mentioned Steinmetz. Did you think that you also wanted to sort of focus on people who maybe not were as well known or are as well known as someone like Mark? Was that yeah, Mark and there, he, um, yeah. a bit? Yeah, I mean, then you get with bizarre things like Vanessa Winship is reasonably well known in Europe, but is comparatively not right. here. You know, That's and, right. and people are yep. uh, people are astounded to realize that she doesn't have any gallery representation in the USA, and is is never written. You know, she danced and Jackson has never been shown here in its own show. So we were <laughs> we ha we were so lucky, terrible bad for Vanessa, but we were lucky to be able to do that to to present unseen, mm -hmm. very powerful work that was only seen as a book really in the USA. Yeah, and yeah, Mark. Yeah, I mean. It was, it, there was people like Mark and even um, even to some degree, someone like Judith Joy Ross, who you feel that, you know, mm -hmm. she's she and Mark are both well known in the US, but undervalued, you know, by the art world. I mm -hmm. think Judith doesn't have any gallery representation uh, in the US as far as I know anymore, um, which is ridiculous, you know. Well, you know, these people don't have gallery representation because the type of work they're making is very hard to sell. And I'm going to refrain from taking us down that mm -hmm. road because it'll just be me giving a lesson to the listeners on why that is. And I think I've I've covered that in other podcasts. But, you know, it's really that simple. That work is very hard to sell to individual collectors. And so, you know, there's just not that many photo-only galleries. They're, they would wind up, you know, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, they'd be in photo galleries. But, you know, I started noticing around 2009 or 10 that, you know, I think only one or two photo galleries opened after I did in 2007. They just started to vanish, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, it's a, Sasha. It's, it's, hard, it's hard from your end. It's hard from the artist's end. You know, it's uh, making a living is tough as an artist or as a art dealer, it's it's hard, you know? It's not a good, good get-rich-quick scheme, especially <laughs> if you're in the photography world. But, And that also, of course, has to do with multiples. So that's another difficulty. Um, right. The art world doesn't understand or like multiples. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to digress, digress too much, but no. um, people seem to assume that I mean, I'm relatively fortunate. It's, it's still a struggle every year in, year out to pay the mortgage and put food on the table. But, mm -hmm. you know, people assume that you reach a certain level and you're just, you know, r raking in an, an annual salary, you know. But to get the equivalent of a tenured professor teaching position, 
when you add in all those benefits that they have with their healthcare, with their pension, matching mm-hmm. pension contribution, with the job security, with the sabbaticals, you have to be doing incredibly well as an artist, you know, mm-hmm. um, to to be making, I don't know, pulling in a hundred thousand dollars a year it's uh that means you know by the time the gallery is taken it's cut you've got to be selling two hundred thousand dollars a year which is basically selling you know close to twenty thousand dollars a month i don't want to get you know i don't want to do a math lesson here but it's no, no. it's hard i it's think very it's hard. important it's very hard people don't realize how hard it is and i always tell young artists that they really need to have a job that they and often they'll throw up names well what about this person or what about that person and I say well you know just because you can name five or ten photographers who you think are making a living selling work first of all doesn't mean they are and secondly you know there's millions of people trying to make a living as an artist so the fact that you can you know name ten who you think are is a terrible ratio so you know, there's just a ton of options out there. I deal with this all the time with clients. The amount of options they have is staggering. And, you know, whenever I make a sale, you know, I try and express, particularly to institutions to when I'm dealing with curators, you know, my expression to them of appreciation for their time and consideration of the work I, I try and phrase it in a way that it, it doesn't sound like just a tagline, like that they understand that it is really genuine because I know how many options they have. And so that they've decided to spend some of the museum budget on one of my artists is really, it always feels unbelievable, frankly. And I'm lucky that more and more it happens regularly, but it is, it's a real honor, you know, and it is it's it is really tough, and as you said, whether it's Mark or Judith Joy Ross or Mark does, uh, has representation here, but Vanessa, as you mentioned, yeah, it's very very difficult to put all those pieces together, and that's why it's it's best not to focus on the financial part. Just make your work and um, get on with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's uh, the the numbers of the market are a difficult thing and you know and then we we haven't even touched upon the fact you you might hit a purple patch and everyone wants your work and then you think this is great and then you know three years later they've all like well got that and they're not interested for <laughs> you got, right. you, you yeah. got to, you got to wait at least a decade before your turn comes around again you know? yeah that's um, right well that's because there's not a lot of collectors you know, so yeah, and, um, fa- and fair enough. You know, everyone everyone deserves a turn. They should be looking at other artists' work and doing that. But but at the mm-hmm. same time, it's tough when someone's taken on a studio or whatever. This is not me because I don't do that sort of thing. But taken on a studio or a big mortgage or some huge project, and they've got to fund it. So it's it's uh, a yep. and they assumed they were going to make the same money next year as they made it last year, and and it doesn't work that way. You know, right? That's um, right. Pandemics come along and stuff like that. Anyway, we've got off the subject. Do you want do you want me to yes. um, go through some of the artists involved a bit more? Yes, detail? please. I would love that. I would love that. So we looked at the long list we had and the work we had together with Deanne and Tom, and um, we go. We went through the the list of potential artists we had, and you know you edited it down for various reasons. You know, you also 
where the work is geographically, the nature of the work. You don't want everything to end up in black and white or everything to end up in color, conversely, you know. Right. Or, um, yep. So the the two Italian I mentioned, the Brutti Cassotti uh, dialogue, which I've never understood how photographers collaborate. They, I, I haven't met them, actually, but I'd love to meet them and actually understand how that works because in the day yeah. just one person takes a picture surely but uh who worked in st louis with their wonderful work index g which is a fantastic book if anyone hasn't seen yeah, it it is um, wonderful by, it is wonderful i didn't know them so this was a real joy for me to, oh, great. to see that work and, great yeah. yeah a lovely book i love that there was a third wheel was a um Oh, I don't know her name, and it isn't written here. Is is the um, the woman designer who designed the book and helped them with the installation of their exhibition, the design of their exhibition, which is very novel with these twin. Did Morgan design. Was Morgan Morgan? designed Morgan? Morgan, no. no, Morgan designed our book, but the the Cassotti Brutti oh, Index right. G oh, their book. book. Right. Their book. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Of course. Th their Sorry. book yeah. is a a Italian woman designer who's clearly very very talented, as is Morgan, mm -hmm. and. Um, I just want to acknowledge her part, her part of the work. Yeah, there. no, I, that's good of you. Yep. And uh, yeah, I, I found that book in uh, in Arles in one of the book fe the festivals in Arles there, and um, it's the way actually to be honest, the way I did most of the research was through going to you know New York Art Book Fair. Besides mm -hmm. asking people like yourself, like Sarah, mm -hmm. you know, uh, like Michael Mack, like anyone, give me names, you know, like Greg Harris, who I believe you know, or you've had here, haven't you? Love Greg. Yes. Yep. Uh, you know, tell me anyone you think I should have. Tell me mm -hmm. any name. Give, make suggestions. Give me anyone I over overlooked. Yep. And going to, going to, you know, book fairs, photography book fairs. Um, New York Art Book Fair is great for that. That's how I discovered Zora Murph, who... Mm -hmm. By the by, I wanted to be in the show, but he got offered to be in the MoMA show. And so, you know, mm -hmm. which was going to yep. be on at the same time. So, of course, he took, right. Mo yep. took MoMA, as anyone would. And then, of course, the MoMA show didn't actually happen. But so, good news is Zora's doing quite well. Zora's so. doing great. And he is great. And yep. he's doing great. And uh, But that's how yep. I discovered it. No one told me about Zora. I just found these the, the early books the, his, oh, his thin little books yeah. at New York Art Book Fair and thought, oh my God, who's this guy and why has no one told me about him? Um, mm -hmm. And immediately, you know, wrote to him via the publisher. Anyway, yeah. So Brutti Cassotti with their wonderful Index G work. Then, you know, they did basically about the uh, redlining, if that's the right word, of, of um, the economic mm -hmm. division of St. Louis, where one side of uh, one side of the road was wealthy, white, long life expectancy, high annual income. Other side of the road was was minorities, mostly black, uh, much lower income, much short, much worse health, worse life expectancy. And they did these portraits, uh, landscapes, drive down, driving down. I think it's called Del Mar Boulevard, um, driving down there. There's actually even a sort of lump of earth, a big sort of earth mound at the end, which is a low-level radioactive dump, believe it or not. So shades of flint, yeah, you know, brutal. with its poisoned water there, which, you know, of course, guess guess whose side of the tracks that's on. Right, know. always. Uh, just to complete the list, Richard Choi, wonderful artist who makes this work this is the hardest work to dis to describe in, to to put in the book because mm -hmm. it, it there's short very short videos of these moments where he meets people. There's uh, a, a mother with her children praying. There's uh, someone doing some sketching. There's a woman winding the clock. There's a man laying on a bed with his cat playing a penny flute or whistle or something. 
And while he's doing this short 30 second, 20, 30, 40 second video, he takes a picture on the same video camera. It, it, it isn't a frame grab out of the picture. He actually, it's a camera where you can press the other button and interrupt the flow and take a picture. So the work ends up being beautifully about the flow of time and pulling, pulling a photograph out of the flow, which is of course what we all do. You know, mm -hmm. and it makes it as clear as as clear as day that this is this is how photography works. This stuttering uh, interruption yeah. of of life, and those are there are six videos down a long a long gallery that you see these videos with presented with the still photograph right beside them, same size. Yeah, they're very moving. There's some sort of very quotidian mm -hmm. moments that wind up just being these sort of gut punches, and you have to sort of. Well, you don't have to, but you present it with an opportunity to really um, meditate on why it feels so stirring. Yeah. And that was my experience. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing, I mean, all, throughout almost the entire show, there's almost nothing that is, most of the work is fairly about quotidian, is about quotidian life, yeah. is about everyday mm -hmm. things. There's no award-winning photography, if you know what I mean, in, in, in quotation marks. There's nothing that would mm -hmm. win the Sony Press Photo Prize, which is right. which is another ballpark, you know. There's no very little drama or action or yeah. remarkable. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's none of that going on in any of this. It's quiet, you know, quiet quotidian life, but still pulling something profoundly meaningful from that, which is, which is mm -hmm. what 95, 99% of our life is about, you know, mm -hmm. it, our life, our life is made up of that stuff. And for someone to, to speak eloquently and meaningfully about that 99% is far more valuable than someone who's photographed, I don't know, car crashes and buildings on fire and stuff like that, you know. Anyway, digressed yeah. again, got off topic. Then um, the uh, great Greg, Greg Halpert. Digressions are where all the good stuff happens, <laughs> by the way. So digress away. Uh, Greg Halpern, third, mm -hmm. third body of work to mention with, with uh, Zizix, which is a little older now. He's done, he's done some other work since then, uh, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Um, where he, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm butchering everyone's projects here by giving thumbnail, you know, uh, no, back of an envelope all. descriptions of them. But you know, where he, he, this town out in the Californian desert, where he photographed, you know, the people he encountered there on, you know, on many visits, as far as I know, wonderful photography, you know, I am envious of his ability to navigate people and places and get people to collaborate with him in in accept embracing him taking a picture you know people we've all seen people in the street yeah. where i'd love to, to get their photograph but I, you're too embarrassed or you know you don't have the the skill set to ask them and greg just has that in spades i don't know how he does it well i don't no, i'm not going to say you don't but i i will say that you know knowing greg he's you know as he's very warm he's a very warm and sort of genuine person and yeah i think that really has mm. helped him in in those interactions yeah and i think you could say the same of two of the other of vanessa winship who we've mentioned already yeah, and, and and of karen yeah. karen halliburg you know who um, yeah, I, same I thing you know and and yeah. i feel that we're touching on a part of the artist's skill set and a part of the art itself is this a performative ability to navigate people and relationships with the world into their mm -hmm. art to, to bring that mm -hmm. in it's almost like a piece of performance art where they manage to 
get complete strangers to collaborate and engage with them and agree and permit you know and yep. gift their image to the world you know that the, yep. not just the That's photographer right. but the the, the, the yep. portrayed person you know yep. and they managed to do that and that that is part of these artists skills you know the ability yeah, to do it absolutely and, you know get people to agree and it's not tricking them you know it's not about tricking them or manipulating right. them it's it's an engagement with them with who they are and the, the warmth and empathy and trust that you see in vanessa or in curran you know hatleyberg who did sorry he's here with lost coast his one of his earliest pieces of work where he's in or eureka oregon i believe it is where he photographs you know post-industrial if, if you can call that ever in oregon uh you know town the the, the life there that i'm so covetous of his ability to to choreograph large groups of people into a range mm -hmm. into arrangements you know there uh, around the frame and through it the wonderful one of families and puppies and uh children and people carrying stuff i think there's a little bit of you know they all know he's taking pictures there's no it it does have the feeling of fly on the wall but they clearly these people know and trust Karen and are allowing and engage, mm -hmm. engaging in the in the photograph uh that's beautiful work you know and uh yeah, I, agree. I think it, i saw it i knew Karen from my days at yale um but right. I, I saw the work really with the lost coast book that tbw published again a photography book and i think it's being republished maybe later this year but obviously a good selections in this um vanessa winship who we mentioned she dances on jackson's spectacular book came out about mm -hmm. ooh, what was that eight years ago something like that i'm guessing beautiful book where she traveled across america with her partner george giorgio also a great photographer and um photograph there and the people she met the empathy she has much more classic large format black and white yeah you get the feeling you know this is a view camera people are standing agreeing to have a picture taken but there's obviously yep. there's still landscapes cityscapes are in there uh, still lives of things even some wildlife there's some deer in some pictures beautiful radiant empathy of her pictures it's mm -hmm. just so beautiful to witness that buddhist-like generosity to humanity in her work yeah it's a compelling lesson to all of us yep. in terms of being empathic to other people yeah open to other people absolutely and their lives and their situation you know the, the father and son who are in their i think it's the, their wedding clothes or whatever and the, yeah no it's so moving it's a great photograph yeah the young couple you know who are in love meeting there and yeah i mean she did these beautiful arrangements in the pictures that we in the in the exhibition which is all her really christine potter manifest out on the uh western slopes of the colorado the sort of i, I always keep calling it high desert but i don't know if is that right sasha is colorado um, high desert or is that more south um, yeah i i don't you know i don't know I mean, it certainly looks like deserty from the pictures it looks very there's no, yeah. no trees to speak of very dry you know she talks about you know the the she engages with the um paradigm or the myth of manifest destiny you know what that means for the west hence the title manifest of a body work also a, a book by tbw mm -hmm. another way of finding the work black and white usually you know these drifting men i don't want it to be pejorative and say lost souls you know something like that and the desert itself Yeah, there's a real pathos to that yeah to those 
guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Stanley, very interesting artist um, who uh, Stanley, mm-hmm. who uh, I knew very distantly from England, but he now lives in the States and he's, he's a prof- mm-hmm. professor at RISD, I believe now who yep. um, blends in his own photo. He's the one person who does blend in his own photographs with found or vernacular photography. Mm-hmm. That I think he buys them on eBay pictures, you know, where yeah, historical press pictures and um, low with loaded, uh, uh, loaded imagery, shall we say there's a, mm-hmm. a, a, a white Nazi bodybuilder giving a, a white bodybuilder, giving a Nazi salute which is clearly yeah. clearly vintage, but I don't know how vintage it is. I don't know if it's from the 1930s, 40s, or whether it's more modern than that. Um, I should ask him, actually. It's a tough image. Yeah, yeah it is. It's a hard one to take high up on the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with his own pictures, with his, you know, it's, just, it's easy to write and overlook. Stanley's a very good photographer himself with his, yeah, his be- some beautiful portraits of quite tender of... Uh, as a young man in a doorway and stuff like that. Uh, he did, a, and again, from books, his beautiful book, uh, One Wall of Web, All My Gone Life. And um, it's mm-hmm. a sort of double book. It sort of works in two, two weaves in two different branches. Um, quickly to, to wrap things up, Romel Ross, wonderful artist, uh, photographer, filmmaker, who... I believe works and has a teaching or did have a certainly have a teaching position down in in um, in South in Hale County. Interesting enough, where um, uh, many photographers have worked, where you know Rosa worked in the same area, and he's been there for ten or eleven years now. And it's tempting to use the term is embedded in the community there, but that implies mm-hmm. it's a project that he's you know. He's snuck his way in, and that isn't the case. He's deeply committed no. to, to what happens there, and of course, famously, what I'm not mentioning is he made he made this um, this movie, um, Hale County, this morning, this evening, which was is a, a, a transcendentally moving scrapbook of imagery put together of of life over a couple of years in in that community down there, and was. Oscar nominated, unbelievably, as best documentary in 2019, which um, is an experience that uh, not, not many photographers expect to come across. But that's great, you know how expansive and that that's being shown. And up. it's it's Go yeah, on. it's in the exhibition, so it's it's yeah. it's you can watch the film. His mm-hmm. photographs are up, so you can look at his photographs and then sit down. And so, I actually recommend that people really plan when they do go to see this show, and they better. God damn it. Um, but that they, you know, make enough time to also sit and watch Ramel's wonderful, wonderful, I mean, really moving film. Yeah. I mean, it got the sort of review in The New Yorker that you would just like, okay, I'm done. You know, just like mm-hmm. it got that sort yeah. of review that we all do, everyone dreams of as an artist. <laughs> it's like this, this, has, this has moved the paradigm, shifted the paradigm. Everyone yeah. is like, okay, yeah. and I can retire now. But yeah. of, course, of course he couldn't, you know, he's, he's only in his 30s or whatever. But uh, what's lovely is his, his still photographs, which haven't really been seen at all, uh, very powerful in themselves, obviously. I agree. I think they're fantastic. Yeah. And uh, an interesting thing is his still photography is done with the most archaic, you know, eight by 10 color, lar- you know, ex- largest of large for- of the commercially available large formats, you know, very ponderous, slow way of working, you know, slowing time down. 
Uh, so he's using that extreme classic large format photography for this photographs, but the videos, of course, you know, it's something that's only capable now where someone can shoot this, this handheld digital video. I don't know if it's on an iPhone. I don't think it is, but you, you know, so he's using the latest digital technology on the one hand, but on the other right. hand, he's using the most archaic, you know, classic yep. form of photography for his still work. Yeah, you see, you can have it all. Yeah, you can have it all. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think it's that all eight. Did I mention so Vanessa Stanley? Yeah, that, I think I've gone. Yeah, I think so. I think it's everyone. Um, I'd, I'd like I said before to repeat it again. I'd love, I'd love it if there'd been twenty-five people, but with unless someone's going to give me the entire floor of MoMA, the expanded MoMA. MoMA, if you're listening, um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I would also like to say, Ramel Ross, if you're listening, please email me because I would love to have you on the podcast. But he's not, he's a tough one to get a hold of. I've tried all this. I, I, lo I love it. Yeah, same for me too. I thought he wasn't going to be in the show, but then he, he, he steps up to the plate at the last minute. But I love that about him. You know, he, he, he treats an email like you've written him a letter and he'll reply in a, in a few weeks, you know, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. you know, it's great. It's so refreshing that somewhere in this perpetually, you know, always on, always connected world, someone is like, yep, thanks. You know, I'll get back to you when I'm ready. You know, I love that. Yep. And uh, why not? You know, he's got, he's got no, other things going I on, agree. you know? Yes. So they, you heard Sasha say she agrees there, Ramel. So you've got another couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think, well, anyway, okay, yeah, we'll give him a couple of weeks. Give him another couple of weeks. So before we wrap up, is there anything that we now have the sound? Unfortunately, my microphone is going to be picking up the sound of peanut um, drinking water. Peanut, lie down. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Always needs to make some sort of um, appearance in the podcast. So, yeah, is there anything else that we want to say about the show other than Um well obviously well obviously you have a global reach, you know, you're 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 going through the ether. this podcast goes through the ether to everybody and people are thinking, well that's great that I don't live in New York and I can't get to New York. So, to to reinforce the book, you know, Michael Mack of Mac Books, the famous the legendary Mac Books stepped up to the plate on this and uh, published the book in the pandemic with beautifully designed by Morgan Crawcroft Brown, his designer there, print. So work, that was a real effort to make this, to push this over the line, you know. It's a beautiful book. I think the book you. is very special. I mean, I I think I've communicated that to, to, to Morgan as well, that I, I really think it's a book that everyone who has a photo book collection should should have on its own. I agree whether you see the show or not. It's, it's not just a show catalog. It's, it's something more. Um, and I would also just say, though, that I believe it's worth, if you don't live in New York, come into New York, come on in. Dawood Bay is now up at the Whitney Museum. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's a million other great things to do, but you could you could do a double header of Dawood Bay and um, the show at ICP that we've been talking about, and what a fantastic trip that would be. Um, yeah, so yeah, I agree. On, people, I mean, I had, a, I had a I um, had the press for Bastille Turns was you know a long, a while ago, you know, mm -hmm. and um, but I had a journalist recently reach out to me who had made her first trip into the city and wanted to she was really moved by the show. And I think because mm -hmm. 
part because of the artist's work, because of what it is, but also because it was it shows you a time from before the pandemic when people mm -hmm. mingled, when people were maskless, when people were intimate, when people were relaxed. Mm -hmm. And it's it's uplifting because of that. Because mm -hmm. you realize this mm -hmm. life was like this and life will be like this again. Yeah, and this absolutely. woman was almost in tears talking to me about it, yeah. how how much it meant to see what these artists had done and their their engagement of Curran and Vanessa and Ramel with with other people with strangers you know the lack of fear yeah. about a virus or about a disease and intimacy of you know people putting their arms around each other and uh that's uplifting for the soul it's it's nourishing absolutely yep can i ask you actually it just occurred to me before we wrap up i has this been for you a has this been a particularly important experience for you in the sort of all the things you've done in the art world? Does this does this rank? Is this something that has given you a lot of joy and that you'll you know reflect on? I mean, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. It's been it's good to it's good to do it. It's good to gift back. It's about gift gifting back, nudging the pendulum, as we said earlier, a little bit back in mm -hmm. the direction that you care and love. So yeah, that that was good. I mean, there's there's a bit. Do you know the phrase? You know, you shouldn't. You don't want to know how the sausage is made. You know? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Where it's suddenly it's like, okay, now you see the 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 other side of making an exhibition of the, right. you know, yeah. dealing with dealing with uh, other artists' frames and what they want and how they want to lay their work mm -hmm. out or printing this way or that way or on this paper or that paper and and then just the you know logistics of trying to navigate and fit all that into a a budget however yeah generously we were supported it all has to work out so it was you know i've always been the self, i've been the selfish one who's pushing for this this type of print or that type of frame and then suddenly like oh so that's what it's like for people right <laughs> <laughs> when you as you will know sasha when someone's like i want my work yep. framed this way can you pay for it, I please? Know. <laughs> yes, I do know. Um, so yeah, that was. But it's it's great. It's been great to help other people. Is it isn't the show isn't about me or my you know my work. It's about other people and work I care about and and a, for the most part a younger generation to you know pass the torch a bit. Well, I'll say I think it's just incredible, successful as far as concept and execution and most importantly incredibly moving contributions so um whether you fully realize it or not and my guess is that after your bruises heal of the logistics part of it and i am very familiar with those bruises once they heal and you can really just feel you know sort of connected to the work itself you'll realize what a wonderful contribution this this was to the world that we care about so much. So thank you for that. And thank you for spending time today um, with me talking about it. And um, I won't harangue you, but I will, I'll do some light pestering down the road um, to have you back on to talk about your work. And I'll look forward to that. But thank you so much, Paul. Okay. Thank you, Sasha. Thank you, everyone for listening. Okay. Bye. Bye. Photo Work with Sasha Wolf is produced by me, Michael Chauvin Dalton of Real Photo Show. The executive producer is Sasha Wolf, and our theme music is by J. Walter Hawks. 
You can hear PhotoWork on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, and be sure to subscribe on any one of those services or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you.